Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there, you got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. No point there, just mentioning that today's been delicious. Now it's time to talk about the Giants. <laughs> Officially eliminated from postseason contention. Woo! <laughs> hey, only, only what? Four meaningless games all year long, baby. We did it. That's right be as competitive as possible for as late in the season as possible. Congratulations. Uh, goal achieved. Do you remember when uh, the Simpsons had that joke of the, the mid season shows and the Simpson family were sitting and watching on the couch and Homer was holding up a pennant that just said a flag that just said mid season on it. <laughs> Is that the one that he put, put away because they all wanted to go to the Cirque du Soleil ripoff. So he got a new flag that said French circus. I, you know what? Now I think there's just a running gag with him having those little flags with words on it. <laughs> I think that's probably what it was. No, because that was where they had like Admiral Baby, and like yeah. that was the shows they were watching. And Marge goes, "I is that?" And then yeah, I guess it did turn into that. But Marge is like, "I don't think it's possible for him to achieve the rank of Admiral so quickly." <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Giants make me want to do. Talk about other things. So, but we're not going to do that because that's this is a Giants podcast. It's a chronicle of the Giants in podcast form, a croncast, if you will. So we must discuss it. Um, they're grappling with the Padres. Uh, ended finally. Uh, the Padres, another team in the NL West with a disappointing season. I mean, let's face it: the Giants have had a disappointing season, uh, a monumentally disappointing season. Uh, a hilariously uh, bad season. Like there's ways to characterize this, but I think it's only fair to say it's on, it's on the side of negative. There's not like the, the tone and tenor when this all said and done, we should only be looking back at the season negatively. I think am I way out of line here? I mean, you can take positives away from it. Um, you can say, you know, Luis Matos got his feet wet in the majors. That could be a big deal. Um, it was great to get a look at, you know, Kyle Harrison, uh, Marco Luciano showed some real flashes of hitting the ball super, super hard, which is fun. But on the other hand, man, it was not pleasant to watch the Giants this year. <laughs> I just, I did not enjoy that at all because they were bad. 
And I would prefer they not be bad. I think the Giants should be good. That's my very controversial opinion. My takes are too hot, but I understand that. Now, we're technically, we have one more podcast to kind of wrap up the final weekend. And we'll probably do uh, some some more end of season wrap ups next week. So we should just address, uh, but it's hard not to talk about, you know, three games left. It's hard not to talk about the season up to this point because it's pretty much in the books here. And whatever happens with the Dodgers is sort of irrelevant. Uh, another classic ass whomping from the Dodgers, though, to, to close out the season. I mean, we'll have come full circle. It will be an incredible uh, uh, turn of events. And so it makes me want to ask the, you the question, Doug. How are you feeling about the state of the Giants? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I went long enough for the rake joke there. Uh, <laughs> not great. Um, the, so, I mean, the Giants, the problem with the Giants is they can't acquire impact talent. Uh, or develop. <laughs> I mean, hey, we'll, we'll see. You know, this is the... Luciano has really been their first hitting prospect in a very long time where we're uh, outside observers like, no, he could be something special. You know, we talked ourselves into some guys, you know, we were like, Hey man, look, look at, look at the power that, that Chris Shaw has. And scouts were like, don't, don't do that. And we're like, no, 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 I'm going to get excited about this and it will not. And then it just immediately fizzled out. Um, but you know, there are outside observers who are not biased like us about the Giants, who are looking at Luciano and saying, yeah, he could be special. He has a really good chance to be special. Um, and that's, you know, that could be something. You get that kind of talent at shortstop. You know, he had several hits over the last week that he had over 110 miles an hour. And you're all right. You know, that's, that's I believe that that'll happen 200 times next year. Uh, I'm basing that on nothing other than my need to have the team not look like this because the way the team looked this year, it felt like shit. <laughs> like especially a, the last two months. Yeah. I mean the last three months, well, that's going to be part of the autopsy on the season is, you know, they, I think I made the really mean comment of they're never as bad as they look, but they're never as good as they look. That's what we've learned from the giants. <laughs> they're not really that good, but the, the under the hood stuff, it really is like mid June. And so that's a long time. And really, the better way to frame it is they were good for about six weeks, maybe seven weeks. And that is not that's that's a hot streak where you we're all guilty of this. We're like, oh, it's (laughs) this guy's good. It's it's the Chris Shelton effect. Uh, The player that for whatever reason is the one that comes to mind where he had like 10 home runs in the first month or whatever of the season. Like this guy's amazing. And then like two years later, he's out of baseball. Um, Yeah. So it's really hard to hold true to the North star of player development and smart acquisitions. And listen, you wrote a really good piece, which before we started recording, you seem to suggest you had forgotten. You wrote, which is incredible. Uh, We're going to talk about it in a moment. But before we do that, I want to expand on this current situation. You know, you mentioned Marco Luciano, and that is, you know, I've now come back the other way, Doug, on Luciano. I was like, this guy's over. He's got the back issues. He's going to whatever. And then he kind of came, you know, he he revitalized his career this season. 
hit, you know, he, he worked it out. He hit well, and now he's in the major leagues. He is hitting the ball hard, but I'm, I still swung back to like, ah, his back's going to go out at some point. It's just the thing that happens. But the other part of it is this, he could be something special. That's entirely true. It's completely silly for us to expect that every all-star prospect hits the ground running and, you know, Luciano, an 800 OPS almost right now. That's that's really cool. Uh, I do want to point this out, which which I had to make a comparison to because I'm a sick individual. I was like, how did Mookie Betts do in his first season? Because <laughs> I really want the Giants to have a Mookie Betts. <laughs> that's the kind of like the bar is like until they have an amazing five tool player in the lineup. It's a, you know, it's, that's what we're talking about. And that will cure so many ills. And guess what? In his first season, 291, 368, 444, and 812 OPS in 213 plate appearances. Now, Luciano is obviously not going to reach that mark. And it's such a small sample size. It's not worth comparing, but I, I will say, okay, fine. I'm going to join. I'm going to now meet you a little. I'm going to walk back towards you instead of just, getting in my car and driving away up is back. It's over. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now the question is, is does that mean given this very small sample size where he's not, he's not Mookie bets. I'm not saying that, but I'm, he's that eight, that OPS being around 800, which is where Mookie bets was. Maybe that's something. And maybe the hard hit data and, you know, fielding burp aside, there's something, there's a, a, a pandemic going on in the giants clubhouse, Doug, where the fielders can't remember the number of outs. <laughs> going on it afflicted Yaz and then Luciano um I guess what I'm getting at is it might Luciano be the one guy that they're not going to try to strenuously platoon at least in the near term in the near term I mean extending beyond even these last three games it could be, even be in the in spring training in the early part of the season because what we saw this past week since we last recorded it doesn't matter. It's happening all the time. Everyone, no one is immune to platoons. Oh, there's the poster. That's the new slogan. Nothing instead of SF, nothing like it. No one is immune to platoon. <laughs> I mean, it rhymes, so that's pretty exciting. Gabe Kapler in the Sunday night game pinch hit Patrick Bailey for Elliot Ramos. And it wound up being a game-ending double play. Patrick Bailey had already talked to the press about how he was gassed, so his knees are weak. Patrick Bailey, as much as I want him to be, is not you know not a great hitter, at least not this season. He's whatever. Is he an improvement over the righty-righty matchup? And Elliot Ramos, who then the very next night, or two nights later, struck out on three pitches in one of the most Brett Pill at-bats I can remember <laughs> seeing. Um, I guess my point is, it, that is not like a, a terrible crime that happened. It was simply like, really, it, you care this much at this point, like that you're going to do it this much. And and I re- was reminded in the conversations afterward and even writing about it. It's like, this is what the Giants want to be. Roger Munter had this thought of like, I'm not sure that they do that. They are that interested in finding guys they don't have to platoon. I think they are more comfortable doing platoons. And so I just want to talk to you about the pluses and minuses of that. Maybe you disagree with that premise entirely. Um, I mean, I, I'll say they, it's entirely possible. There was not a right answer on Sunday night. Like Patrick Bailey looked terrible, had an awful result from the event. Ramos might've looked just as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's entirely possible. I just want to 
get that out on the table before I say, of course, it was the wrong move. Um, <laughs> also, like, Ramos might have just struck out. There still right. would have been one more out to play with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he could have swung at a ball that bounced away. <laughs> it could have been a strikeout and he's on first. Other possibilities existed. So. Um, but I mean, it's it's not just that I think strategically it was wrong, but I think in terms of building up confidence in a player and showing them that you believe in them, um, sometimes you just let them take that at bat. Like the, the Giants at that point were not playing for their season. The season was over. Like the, you know, I think Andrew Baggerly spent three or four days uh, tweeting out the pl- what had to do like playoff scenarios for how the Giants could make it in. And they were, they started off at wildly implausible and only got less likely from there. It was like, if the Giants win every game and the Diamondbacks and Marlin and the Diamondbacks and Reds both lose at least seven of eight and the Marlins lose five of seven, I was like, okay, none of those things are going to happen. So we're already at a 0% chance. Um, so, I mean, they weren't going to make the playoffs based on that at bat. And isn't it more important for Elliot Ramos to show you what he does in that at bat than to put an exhausted Patrick Bailey, who's caught at that point, you know, 40 more games than his, in his career, up for a pinch hit at bat in the top of the 10th or whatever. Top of the ninth, top of the 10th? Yeah, whatever it inning was. Um it just it doesn't make sense to do that unless you're platooning based on nothing more than your inherent than inertia. Like you have the plan to platoon when you can, and so you see a platoon opportunity and you take it, and then that's it. Um, and that's I don't think that's a good way to run a team. I think you have to take fatigue into account. I think you have to take Bailey has looked god awful at the plate for the last month, maybe more. Um, you have to think about that. Like he, it's not a good idea in any sense other than it's what you've always done. So it's what you're going to do. Um, it's like in, it's like in 2021, Brian, when you were still complaining about the giants, even though they were objectively good and everyone was like, I understand Brian, this is what you do, but you don't have to and do it. I wasn't blogging about them or podcasting about them. So yeah, you were just complaining remember. on Twitter. I don't remember what uh, I said, but what did I say? I I don't know. I just know you said it. Okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's the same kind of thing. We're like, well, you don't. This isn't necessary. You can you can go another way for now. I understand. We will come back to the platoons. We will come back to the giants sinking to mediocrity, and then you can complain about them all you want, and it'll be fair. But for now, it's not. There's no upside, um, and they did it anyway, just because it's what they do. And I think they should get away from that. I don't think it's a good thing. Well, the other part that like that stuck in my mind as I was watching it, I was like, Alex Cobb's season ended because you just let him go. And no one questioned yeah. that. Kyle Harrison, you let him go. No one questioned that. And I get it. The Giants hitters suck. They are all awful. They don't deserve to be even in the situations they're in. And you're talking about a marginal gain, but it is a, it's a gain, you know? I mean, maybe that's the thing. Right, right. And uh, as one of the commenters pointed out that there is some research that suggests that you're, that by 
anytime you put a pinch hitter in, you're actually inserting a cold hand in the situation. So the leverage opportunity, the numbers that might be generated just from the platoon advantage are actually impacted by the the guy just being off the bench and coming into the game. Multiply that by the fact that it's a catcher who has never played this much before, like logically, which they're supposed to be following data and process. And like the process there, it was flawed. It was flawed. It, it unmistakably a flawed analysis that led to that, unless it is like the thing we'd made fun of. Center fielder leads off, second baseman bats second. Like the, the Bruce Bochy, like this is the factory production of, of lineup roster management that we're doing. And I, I think it really was just like, got to get a lefty up there against the righty. Got to get yeah. a lefty up there against the right. And that's it. And it does it in that moment. It did call into question this entire project. I, I can't lie. I think it's born of frustration, obviously, but also watching them for three months just eat shit. Just fucking suck. Just be total losers and every bit of their best laid plans blowing up in their faces like a septic tank. Just like all of it, just going to hell. And then all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna pull that shit. It's like the time and place of the bullshit is kind of where it was like this the frustrations are valid. Uh I think perfectly valid. And and I'm defending the the general practice of it. But I think it is a, a sign of a larger thing, a larger issue. It, I mean, I'll say this. Over the last month, Patrick Bailey, and we're these stats are – we're recording this on Wednesday, so the stats are the month before that. doesn't include whatever happened last night. Uh, Patrick Bailey, 66 plate appearances, hitting 164, 227, 246. That is a weighted runs created plus of 32. <laughs> Casey Schmidt has 35 plate appearances in that time hitting a not particularly good 226, 265, 355 by weighted runs created plus 66, twice as good as Patrick Bailey. He, Patrick Bailey, he's done for the year. You, They should shut him down. There's Playing him does not help anybody. Um, I understand that pitchers like throwing him. I think he's, he's tired on defense. Uh, I think he's tired on offense. I don't think that he can – I mean, he can play baseball technically – but I don't, he's not the player that you want to see out there right now. He's too tired. Another weird issue because it's like, I thought the Giants had a world class coaching staff, health and fitness. They had a sleep management plan, nutrition up the wazoo. Like they had every advantage. And I'm not saying that that means every player is now able to play a robotic number of games. Camilo Duvall, obviously impacted by the World Baseball Classic. I accept your analysis. Like, I think that all makes sense. It just seems like every marginal advantage that the Giants have worked to have, it just, it was like vaporware or like the raccoon putting the cotton candy in the pond to clean it. Like, it just didn't happen. It just disappeared on them when they needed it the very most. I'll say this in their defense on Bailey. He... Um, he has been hurt a few times in his career. So playing 40 more games, like you have to build that strength up. Um, I agree. And that's no, just I'm, I'm being a little do. unfair, obviously, yeah. but it's like at this point there's, I'm not seeing the, I'm not seeing the design here. I'm no. seeing some pretty obvious, uh, rote, thoughtless, automatic robot thinking. The very, the very thing that this entire group has been blamed or accused of from the beginning and then here you go when it's bone on bone or when 
you know, the, the, we're, we've been stripped down to the studs and you're just seeing, you know, the skeleton of the entire edifice. And then it's like, oh, there is just a guy on a bicycle. <laughs> just that's all it is. There's no magic here. It's just, you're going to follow the math that assiduously. So John I, Hamm is just making Kimmy and her friends turn a crank in a bunker. That's it. <laughs> and, and they don't know how to do anything else. So incredibly frustrating. And and I think I, we spent a little more time on that topic than I wanted, but it bleeds perfectly into our next little bit here about, you know, everyone's getting a turn kicking the giants while they're down. It's the fun thing to do right now. Uh, we talked about the Tom Verducci article in our last episode. And I just commented on, I thought the timing was interesting. You know, it seemed like it was poised or timed to put out there like alert, alert. One of these hangers on in the wild card chase, they're not one of us. <laughs> and, uh, and I think there was a, an element of like making sure all eyes were on the giants to make sure that everyone knew that they sucked. I think there was an element of that. And then the giants got swept in Arizona pretty handily pretty easily, pretty effortlessly to the point where I'm like, you know, Major League Baseball might have to step in because the Giants could accidentally like leave a rosin bag in the way of like a good player's path and someone could get hurt on another team and that they don't deserve that when they're facing the Giants. Anyway, so you get some follow-up articles from that. You get uh, you get Ken Rosenthal helicoptering in with his bow tie and, uh, and dropping some, talking some smack. You've got Andrew Baggerly that, and then that encourages the beat reporters uh, to finally like get off their toadstools and and actually like report some stuff. Now maybe it was just because the two national writers kind of loosened things up that the players felt like they could approach the beat writers and say some more, or the beat writers could ask about those articles and then get a response from there, indicating that the clubhouse was a little unsettled. Now I'm front loading all this. You can go find the articles, Baggerly on The Athletic, uh, Ken Rosenthal as well. And kind of the same general idea of like of Verducci's article. The Giants are, you know, managed by a math book. It's very boring. They have no stars. And actually, I want to say this other thing. In the first, uh, the first Friday of the season, I think it was the first Friday, Jim Bowden was on Sirius XM on their Power Alley show in the morning, which is my favorite radio baseball show outside of our show which is a podcast it's not the same thing every once a week jim bowden comes on as well and he's really obnoxious and i think they all know that but he the fact that he was right doug in week one just just boils me just upsets me he's like that team he's like that team that team you know what that team has a bunch of really nice players to put around a really great player you know what that team is missing? A really great player. I'm like, God damn it. How could you, the one, you just throw something at a dartboard in week one and you're right the whole way through. God damn it. So, <laughs> so he, he was out on them from the beginning and then the national press because of every, you know, they weren't after the judge and Korea stuff, everyone left them alone. And then we finally get this at the end. Doug, you don't remember this, but you wrote a really compelling piece on, on your Substack, Giants Doug. Remember the name of your Substack? Giants. Uh, yes, Giants. Giants. Something. And that's something to the Giants. And your basic question is: So, who should be fired for this? And I think that's where we. That's where this should land at. It's that's part of this whole theme or this topic of like, let's kick the Giants while they're down. It's completely. <laughs> oh, they deserve, it. They, deserve they, it. they really deserve it. 
Uh, I have an article that I can't decide if I'm going to put up on on today or if I'm going to put up on Monday being like, who deserves this season the most ranked and, <laughs> and going from there. And Bobby Evans is on that list. Just so you know. So, I mean, I, I assume Charles Johnson is number one. Anyway. So you wrote like who, and you went through it. You went through the whole thing and it was very fair uh, with your, you know, sarcasm your perfect sarcasm your how upsetting it is that you turn a phrase so well oh it's almost like you revise these after you write them um, I, I do not i write them uh i write oh, them even more been, frustrating when i've been up for 17 hours and i need to go to bed that's my motivation that's how i'm like all right i gotta write some words out doesn't matter how good they are hope there aren't any typos baby there are always typos <laughs> so write tired write angry but yeah you, I mean, you just boiled it down to, uh, I mean, am I, I was wrong last week, but you boiled it down to this. They, they are incapable of getting the one player they need, the one type of player they need to make this whole thing go boom, to make it all work. All that said, all the other stuff they're doing, the it, it makes perfect sense. And it just didn't work out. And it's hard to understand why they should get one more year. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to understand why they should get another year, but it's also hard to see who's out there who will do better next year. I, mean, I that's oh, the yeah. issue. Yeah, so, I do think they see. I think they should get one more year because I actually do lean on. It's kind of remarkable everything that's gone wrong because it's like what the hell? Like it's really stunning to see like Conforto and Hanniger turning in, into platoon guys. I would think is because they were so bad that they had to be turned into platoon guys. And so that makes sense. Like, Oh, these guys aren't performing. But then you brought up the point of like, well, why aren't they performing? Is there anything the team could have done about that? That's something they needed to explore. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent like that's why do you have a coaching staff? I mean, that's, that's kind of the question. Like how can, a major league coaching staff that was supposed to be top-notch, state-of-the-art, uh, you know, using data-driven AI to create new outcome paradigms and result matrices. And uh, I don't know. I don't have any more buzzwords. They, they're supposed to be making these guys better, and they're not. So, I mean, in that sense, you look at that and you say, this is on the coaching staff. Um, but at the same time, if... The, if, you know, the front office, and when I say Farhan, I'm using Farhan as a, pro, as a proxy for Farhan plus all the dudes under him, right? If Farhan doesn't bring in the right players, you know, you can't polish a turd. Like, you could give me, personally, me, the greatest baseball coach in the world. I would still be god-awful at baseball. Um not to say that Michael that that Mitch Haniger is close to my level of baseball. I think he's likely to be much better, but there's a point when the players hit when they can't do it, um, and it's entirely possible he's there. It's possible that he was a huge miss by the scouting department, which you know you have to look at those jobs too. It's also possible that he was coming off an injury that he never really healed from. Yeah, once he started to feel a little better, he just kept getting hurt. This wasn't the year for him. He'll come back next year and and be better. Um, it's possible Michael Conforto will be better next year if he's back or if he's not back. Um, I looked up Jason Worth's uh, stats recently because I 
like doing that. I want I wanted to make a comparison for a bad contract, and his contract wasn't bad enough uh, for me for him to be the comparison. But you know, his first year with Washington after signing that big deal coming over from from the Phillies, his OPS plus was like ninety eight, and then the next year is in the one twenties, and it was like one fifty four, and then it was in the one twenties, and then he was bad for the next, and then he wasn't that good for the next three years. But I mean, you know, sometimes guys just take that year. They need, you know, they have a little bit of a dull year. And with Conforto, you can understand it. Um, he didn't play at all last year because of injury. Uh, the Giants just took a shot. It didn't work out. The The other thing is that, you know, the thing that, that the front office is doing, it might work next year. Like, you look at all these young players. I don't think Luis Matos is going to be a, a bad player. He's just not there yet. Um, hopefully, Marco Luciano will get there next year. Kyle Harrison has has shown flashes but he's not there yet you give them an offseason you give them big league training regimen you give them what they need to succeed probably one or two of them will succeed that would be a huge win um and so you look at at the actual thing that that farhan was building and to to get rid of him before he's able to you know get get the the capstone on it it's a. It does seem premature, even if the results this year were awful. And I. That's what I really want to like. Plead with Giants fans. I think your anger is completely justified. I'm just saying, hold on for just one more season before the fire Farhan is the only thing you should be saying. Like you should roast these guys, Kapler. Kai Correa, like there, this entire project is teetering on Nate Silver being right for one election and suddenly being anointed. You know what I mean? Like anointed uh, this guru for political polling or something. It's not just a make or break for the rebuild of the Giants. I kind of think it's approaching a referendum on on can you just do this with paper scouting? Can you just do this with math and like good humor and like module you know the margins of like making sure people are drinking and sleeping right like can you work around talent by having a mega brain just calling the shots like that is what's approaching and i know a lot of people want to see that fail because we root for teams and the players on those teams and that makes sense but it's kind of just another way of like good players make everyone the manager the front office the ownership the fan base, it makes everyone look great, right? You got a good team. Oh, these are the best fans in baseball. Oh, look at how smart the management is, the coaching staff. Everyone's working great because the players are great. And all the value proposition of Moneyball is like, no, first you must give credit to the front office. Then you can say the players are good. That's all that's been happening in the inversion. And you know what? Right now they're asking for credit they don't deserve because the players aren't good. So can the players be good? And I think if enough people want to say no, they can't. I don't. I mean, I'm more on that line. I'm more like the, these prospects or whatever. But we have to remember that li- that development isn't linear. That's absolutely true. It's been if it's it's been proven this year. <laughs> Marco Luciano's career was, I think, a question coming into this season. And he, ter- he had a terrible year last year. And then look where he is this year. We're, we're very excited about him. He's, he basically rose right back to his prominent status. 
uh, Kyle Harrison's development, like everyone was excited and then he had a rough spring training and then it's like, is he going to make it up this year? And then he's come up and he's just looked like a guy trying to figure things out. Mitch Hanniger, to your point, I want to come back to this. Uh, do we just discount that a guy is switching leagues? It seems like something that just got tossed aside either with universal DH or, uh, you know, interleague play all the time or something. But I mean, how many times did he face the NL West? How many times have you been in all these parks and all this other stuff? Isn't that some fa- like to your point about Jason Worth? I mean, that's that's league. Del- that's team to team. That's not quite the same thing really at all, actually. But like an adjustment of some kind uh, on top of the injuries. Um, it seems like that that makes sense to me. I can see that in my mind as as a relevant factor. The other part we have to say for the front office and I hate to do this because I'm really upset with them because their product is awful. It's a boring, entertaining product. Someone else pointed this out, and I apologize. I can't remember who did this, but it was maybe it was in the Baggerly article. I can't remember. The Giants actually did have bad luck. And that, it, and it's terrible to say that. It's just awful to say that because it's like, it's like you know, screw you guys. Okay, but what did they try to do in the offseason? They tried to get either Aaron Judge or Carlos Correa. They try to get, Car- why did they get Carlos Correa? They have Brandon Crawford. Well, they knew Brandon Crawford wasn't going to be a guy they could rely on. <laughs> and so they could, that, that fell through. That was bad luck. The, the Carlos Correa deal was bad luck. Brandon Crawford getting hurt, not bad luck, but Tyro Estrada getting hurt at the same time was bad luck. And so that's like, that's where you look at it as like, okay, so up the middle, they get obliterated by injury. And should their depth have been better to account for that? Yes, that is a problem spot. That has been a problem spot for the last two seasons. Uh, was Dixon Machado last year? Yes. Remember that? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mark <laughs> Matias this year. You know what I mean? Like that is, an, so it's like, it's bad luck, but it also, see, it reveals the guy in a bicycle. It's like, what are you doing, babe? I thought you were all about the depth. What happened? <laughs> Fans, give them a year, but give them a, an awful year that even if they win the World Series, they all wonder if they should come back. That's what they deserve. <laughs> That's what they deserve because it's like, what the hell's going on? I mean, hey, I, I yeah, I remember after 2010, there was a small but real subset of fans who were like, well, now Sabian's going to be around forever. Like, that was their <laughs> takeaway. So you know what? Give, give Farhan that if, you, if, if it goes great next year. I mean, they, but they're already going to the offseason with this handicap of they're not going to get Shohei Otani. So they already are like front loaded with disappointment and another letdown that's just in the line under Zaidi's tenure. So they've already got a failure waiting for them. And it's like, well, that's already a tough spot to work around. I think next week we'll talk about all the these trade options or these trade articles out there, which uh, I'm just going to tease my thoughts on this a little bit. Everyone's losing their minds. Everyone's, we're, we're all grasping at straws here. I think some of these trade proposals are wild. That's all I'm going to get. I think people are kind of forgetting. I mean, the, the proposals are basically beat Bobby Evans, trade Brian Reynolds for Andrew McCutcheon yeah. is like the premise of every article. I'm like, I, I, we joked that this was a Sabian speed run, but now we're honestly entertaining the Evans speed run. Come on, guys. So, anyway, is that boy math? Is that those example of boy, boy math? math? Yeah. 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 So, 
Okay, uh, I want to end on the kicking the Giants while they're down part of this, which is fun to do, and I encourage everyone to do it. I think you should just be like, I got my eye on this team. They better they better get their shit together. I'm sick of losing, said Logan Webb. Remember that? That wasn't that long ago. That was this week. <laughs> but it it brought this is the question I want to ask you since you've been a clubhouse reporter. So Ann Killian in her column on Tuesday said, Webb says big changes need to be made. In comments to the Chronicle Susan Slesser, one player said the front office's inaction at the trade deadline showed a lack of confidence in the team. One player told Slusser that Kapler couldn't lose a clubhouse that he never had before quickly backing off the comment as, quote, too strong. Now, did Susan Slusser write that in an article? I didn't see that. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, she might have just told Killian about it. I mean, that's- so that's why I'm, as a reporting it, chain yeah. of custody, what explain <laughs> that? <laughs> I mean, so this isn't something that I necessarily did a lot because I wasn't there enough to build the relationships you need for players to go off the record and be honest with you. But like you'll you know you'll go up to, let's say, Alex Cobb, let's say it's Alex Cobb, and you go up to him and like you've known him all year, he's been a good guy, and you're like, hey, uh, what have you thought about about the way Kapler's handled the, you know, the clubhouse this year? And he goes off the record, and you're like, yeah, sure, off the record. And he goes, well, he can't lose a clubhouse he never had, and takes a moment and goes, okay, I mean that's a little much. His style is is that he lets us police ourselves. Any problems in here are our fault. Um, I, I mean, I would guess that that's about what happened. How did it get from Slusser to Killian? It could be that it didn't fit in her art in whatever article Slusser was writing that she that she was going to write, and so she um, let Killian know about it. It was like, can I use that? And Slusser said, sure. Um, sometimes you know you get a good quote, and you're like, okay, but this isn't actually as related to to what I was writing about as I'd hoped. Uh, and so, you know, that's a big organization. Again, I did not have a big organization when I was there. Um, and so she just, she just let her know probably, you know, this is something that, uh, that a player in the clubhouse said, I'm sure she would have said who it was, but, uh, you know, you can use it if you want and killing was like, Oh, hell yeah, I'm using it. (laughs) I mean, that, that would be my speculation. I'm not going to let Rosenthal work on my turf here. And Baggerly, who is this guy? Yeah, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm going to get in on this. Uh, Baggerly's piece, just to, well, we didn't really talk about this, but, you know, Jock Peterson leading the Pasoy card game and having fun there. And the team playing uh, Jamaican music after losses, which really weirded out players. I'm going to assume it was Mike Yastrzemski who made that quote. Yeah. Uh, The quote being like, you never hear, have you ever heard of that before? That's weird. Um, I mean, the only thing the only thing that would point to it not being Yastrzemski is that the quote does kind of suggest the guy has been on other major league teams, which Yastrzemski is not. Mm. Um, but that's very much getting into the weeds on technicalities. And it couldn't be Michael Conforto because he was like, I was on the Mets. None of this faces me. So- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is a no, quarterback. I, 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 could, I could see that being J.D. Davis like that. That would sort of fit. He was also career. on the Mets. <laughs> he was also on the Mets, but he's on the Astros. He's also on the Astros, Astros too. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. He knows that teams can win sometimes, even if they have to cheat to do it. <laughs> Which, hey, maybe that's what year six is all about. Buy some trash cans, baby. Let's go. <laughs> so, but folks, the Giants are not jamming. Uh, what does this all mean going forward? It ties back into your posts. 
there has to be a strong reaction by the front office to clean some of this up. I think we've identified several points of like them being getting caught with their pants down or by their own logic. Oh my yeah. God, we can actually use that. <laughs> that like tripping up on their own logic and, and coming up short by their own standards that they professed. Um, so the people out there that kind of feel like the team acts like they're better than everybody or they're smarter than everybody or like everyone's stupid except me. I think that's fair to be angry about, but I mean, like you're not going to run a baseball team in your life. And what you said in your article, Doug, the next guy is not going to be better at least or next person. Cause it could be a woman. Uh, next person is not going to be necessarily better or at least not going to be better next year. So what's the, what's the problem? You know what I mean? Like the, the player development system is better. It's like objectionable, uh, objectively, tangibly better. Um, they still have a shot at Shohei Otani. They still have a shot at swinging some of their trade that doesn't involve rental player. There are still options. And I think desperation, like it does with baseball players, can sometimes bring out the best in a performer. Hey, I mean, I have to get into desperation mode before I can write 100 words. So maybe Farhan has to get into desperation mode before he can acquire a superstar. Before he can make a franchise-defining trade for Pete Alonso, he has to be like, I am going to get fired if I don't do this. Oh, my God. Yes, do I want Pete Alonso on the team? Yes, I do. Would it, would it cost less to get Reese Hoskins with the chance of similar production? God, I'm already thinking like them. Yes. I, <laughs> exactly. That, that makes more sense. <laughs> It makes more sense. I don't know what to tell you. You also have a better shot at re-signing him because of the home. Like, ah, oh, I'm driving myself crazy. They've, they've, they've indoctrinated me. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, Doug, are you going to write about any of this? I, you know, I'm going to write about something. And you can see that at giantsdev.substack.com. <laughs> <laughs> I, I already mentioned, uh, I already previewed one piece that's going to be either today or Monday. You have no feelings on that, right? You're not my editor. No. But it seems like better for Monday, but also it's an off day before the Dodgers. I don't know. It just seems like you get the Dodgers pe- fans involved reading it. Just talking about clicks. That's all. So I don't know. Uh, but it would be fun to drop it on the end of the season wrap up. You know, when everyone go, comes in to clean out their clubhouse. I'm like, did you see that article this morning? About <laughs> yeah. I, don't know. Uh, so I mean, my, my all time, maybe my my all time favorite McCabe Chronicles article was 2017 going to the All-Star break when Grant wrote grading the Giants first half. And it was just the letter F in as big of a font as he could. <laughs> and that was the whole article. I was like, oh, <laughs> you did it again, Brisby. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he works for the New York Times now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll be back next week with our final bullpen trust power rankings of 2023. Not looking forward to that. Uh, that bunch really broke my heart. I'm not going to Yeah, we, they were seeming good for a while, and then they reminded you, no, you don't get to have nice things. <laughs> we are believers. <laughs> Do not be believers. Uh, so until then. Go Giants. <laughs> and then I'll put a car crash in at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>